Hey everybody, this is Dave from Cross Point Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I know that our world is full of unrest and chaos right now, but thankfully our lives are not anchored in this world or in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Our lives are anchored in God and His Word. We hope that you find encouragement from the message today, and when you're done, you can head over to crosspointwestdallas.com to learn more about us or register for one of our two Sunday services. Until then, enjoy this message from our series, The Book of Psalms. Today, we are wrapping up our series, The Bright Side, and I've really enjoyed this series. I don't know about you guys, but it's been really good for me, and thank you. Wow. I wasn't looking for applause, but thank you. And today, we're going to talk about rediscovering your passion rediscovering your passion why do you why would you have to rediscover your passion think about that for a second all right now i've been talking i've been obsessed with generation z lately i don't know why i'm on this generation z kick like you know how every generation has their unique attributes and traits uh baby boomers gen i'm a gen xer um millennials uh, media was obsessed with millennials for a long time, still are. And now Generation Z, I don't know if you guys even know what Generation Z is. It's pretty much everyone born after 2002 or something like, like around that time frame. So I live with five Generation Z, so it's in my best interest to learn about this generation. I'm learning new things about them every week. Something about Generation Z, they, they're attracted to certain animals. There's like certain animals that are very uh, popular with Gen Z. I want to share a few of the animals with you today. Llamas. For some reason, Generation Z loves llamas. Um, they love cats. They love owls. Anyone know what that is? A narwhal. It's, I don't even think they exist. It's like a fictitious hybrid between a unicorn and a whale or something like that. And speaking of unicorns, they love unicorns. And then lastly, they love sloths. Sloths are one of the most popular animals for Generation Z. Did you know that sloths are in the Bible? No, I'm serious. Romans 12, 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. This is a little more clear in the English Standard Version, which says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This is the verse after the verse we looked at last week about honor. The very next verse talks about passion and how important passion is to the church. And so we're going to talk about that today. Has anyone ever asked you, like, what is, what's your spirit animal? Did you know that that's a thing? Like, everyone has a spirit animal, I guess. An animal that you're a kindred spirit with. So I was curious. I wanted to learn what my spirit animal might be. So I took an online quiz this last week. Does anyone want to guess what my spirit animal is? What did you say? A goat? Anyone else? A tiger? Wow, that's flattering. It's not. It's not that cool. Apparently, my spirit animal is butterfly. I was uh, a little disappointed. I mean, I was hoping for something less delicate and feminine, like an eagle or a lion. No, I'm a butterfly. But guess what? I would rather be a spiritual butterfly than a spiritual sloth. I mean, who wants to be a spiritual sloth? I don't. And, and I don't know how 2020 started out for you guys. Every year, I tend to set new goals, and I, and I set some spiritual goals for myself in 2020. 
I, I, I was determined to be more disciplined in my daily quiet time with God. I was going to memorize the book of Philippians. I'm still in chapter 1. I was going to be more intentional in certain relationships. I was going to do more for others. And then 2020 happened. You know what I'm talking about. And my goals went out the window. That happened to a lot of you too. Our goals went out the window. Our screen time went through the roof. Our churches closed their doors. And here's the worst part. Our spiritual passion began to decline. That's what happened to just about every Christian I know. Our passion started to fade. Something similar happened in the world of sports. We were talking in the first, I was talking to someone in the first service about this. <clears throat> and in February, I was really excited about the NBA, and in particular the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, this was the year. And then on March 11th, the NBA shut down. A few weeks later, I moved on. I really didn't care anymore. I just lost interest. And then eventually, uh, four months later, the NBA resumed in the bubble in Orlando. I tried watching a game. I didn't last very long. You know why? It just wasn't the same. No fans, no electricity, no home court advantage, more politics. And I realized after a few months, I don't need the NBA. I don't need to watch professional sports to be happy. I, I thought I would care a lot more, and I just don't. I have not watched any sports uh, in a long time, and I really don't even miss it that much. And you know what? That was actually good for me. That, that, was, a good, that was a good thing. What's not good for me is seeing something similar happen in the church. All right, because here's something that I know has happened. A lot of people started watching church online back in, what, April or whatever we, were, we started doing that. And after a couple months, they had lost interest. And a lot of people just moved on. They just started moving on. Like they just didn't care anymore. And they just started waking up on Sundays and just doing what felt comfortable. And not doing really much of anything to connect with God and other people. And guess what happened? The spiritual passion went down, down, down. Our spiritual temperature just kept getting cooler and cooler and cooler. And apathy started to set in. And by the way, I know, I, I get it, okay? This has happened to me in my life quite a few times since I started following Jesus like 25 years ago. I have seen my spiritual passion, my spiritual temperature go from hot to lukewarm to cold, back up to lukewarm. And a lot of times I've found myself just settling in that kind of lukewarm, meh, like whatever spiritual enthusiasm. It's just not, it's not there, and I'm just, I feel like I'm just going through the motions sometimes. Has that ever happened to you? Has that happened to you in 2020? Have you felt that all this year, like your spiritual passion has declined? I can remember the first time I was ever asked to speak to a group of young people uh, at a youth group. I was 23 years old. I had just, it was the summer, it was, I think it was the fall of that year. And my sister's youth group, her youth pastor, she was uh, so excited because her youth group had been praying for me that I would 
find Jesus and that God would intervene in my life because I was on a crash course. I mean, I was like destroying my life. And sure enough, God answered her, their prayers. And she was so excited to tell all of her friends about it. And her youth pastor was like, do you think your brother would like to come in and share his story with us? And she was like, I don't know, I'll ask him. And she asked me, and oh my gosh, I was so excited. I, f I just felt honored, and I couldn't wait. I, I, I had such huge expectations of God, and I spent days and days and hours and hours and hours preparing, and I had these visions of students falling on their knees in worship and repentance, you know, at the end of my talk. And I, I just was so excited to be there and to share my story. My, and, and I didn't even really know. My, I mean, I was a pretty new Christian at the time. And all I knew is that Jesus saved my life. And I, I couldn't wait to tell these students about my story. Now fast forward to last year. And uh, Jason McKelvey, our youth, uh, one of our youth directors, Jason and Allison, lead our youth group. And Jason had asked me to speak to youth group. And he gave me a couple months to prepare and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I forgot about it. I, I just forgot about it. And thankfully, he texted me like two days before I was supposed to go talk. And I was like, is that this week? I can't believe I forgot about it. And I just didn't spend that much time preparing. And I wasn't that excited. And I, my, my expectations of God just were, I didn't expect God to do great things. I didn't have that vision of student. You know, I just wasn't the same. And I, I didn't feel excited. I really felt more obligated at that point. And I think my message reflected that. You know why? Because I had lost my passion. I had lost that passion without even realizing it. That's what happens. We lose it without even realizing it. And then something happens in our life and God shows us, you know what? You're cold. You're cold. What happened? Whatever you had, it's gone. And, and we get comfortable. And that's happened to too many of us in the church. And, and, and there's, the good news is I got it back. You can always get that passion back. In fact, I'm speaking to the high school students this week, and I'm really excited about it. And in a couple weeks, um, myself and, and Jason McKelvey and Melissa Gustafson, we were invited to speak together at Heritage Christian School for their Spiritual Enrichment Week. And we're, we're super excited about it. And we're sharing in that excitement together and sharing ideas. And so you can get it back, but it's so easy to lose. It can be slippery. And I have to ask you, have you lost your passion and enthusiasm for Jesus this year? Have you lost your passion for the church? And if so, this message is for you today. And this message is for me. Why don't we pause before we go any further and let's ask God to rekindle our passion today. Father God, we thank you that you are here anytime we gather. This is a sacred space because you are with us. Lord Jesus, we know that when we gather, you are with us. Your spirit is alive in us and you are ready to speak to us. You are ready to open our eyes to your presence and to your word. You are ready to change us. And may we not forget that today that you are ready to do great things among us today. We ask you to do it, God, in your spirit, with your power. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15. This is the verse we're going to start with today, and it's a verse that might be familiar to a lot of you. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking all about the resurrection of Jesus, and here's how he concludes his, this uh, chapter on the resurrection of Jesus, beginning in verse 
57. He says, but thank God. He gave us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I want us to thank God today. Can you just say that with me right now? Let's just say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank God. Let's say it again. Thank God. And what are we thanking God for? We're thanking God for victory. Because through Jesus' death and resurrection, you and I have victory over sin and death today. And one day that victory will be fully realized. It'll be complete. We will be completely separated from sin forever. It won't have any influence in our lives anymore. But that's not all. Right now, today, we have victory. And how does victory show itself today? Today, we can be strong, immovable, and enthusiastic in our work for the Lord. And that is a present reality that we get through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, many Christians today have lost that. They've lost that feeling of being strong and movable and passionate about serving God and serving his church. And there's a lot of good reasons that people have for losing that enthusiasm. Some people feel unappreciated because they've been serving and giving and they just feel like nobody notices. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. Nobody even, you know, nobody even can see what I do. The work I do for the Lord. Some people feel overwhelmed. They feel like they're doing too much. They don't have that energy anymore. You might feel unqualified to serve God or to do anything important for God. Some people don't want to serve the Lord or they've lost that, lost that enthusiasm because they were asked to wear a mask. And now the enthusiasm's gone. Okay, I'm, if I have to wear a mask, forget it. I'm not doing it. And, and you know, the other thing is just not a lot of people are coming back to church. I mean, more and more people are coming, but there's some Sundays it just feels like, man, where is everybody? And we tend to lose that spirit of passion and enthusiasm for doing things for God because, you know what, so-and-so didn't show up. And while there are plenty of reasons you could find to be slothful about, about serving God, right here in this verse, we have one amazing reason to fight for our passion, and it's this. Nothing we do for God is ever useless. Because Jesus is alive, none of your work for Christ is wasted. Your love is not wasted. Your generosity is not wasted. Those of you on the worship team, you're singing, you're practicing. None of it's wasted, even when someone messes up, even when the slides don't work. None of it's wasted. No service, no matter how insignificant it feels, is ever wasted. The, the hours that you spend listening to a brother or sister uh, unload their burdens on you is never wasted. All of it matters. It all carries weight in God's kingdom because Jesus is alive. And his spirit is alive in you. And his spirit is alive in the church. It's not even what you do. It's who you do it for. If you do anything by faith in the name of Jesus... It's not wasted. If you have ever shared your faith with someone or invited them to church, 
And maybe you've done it with someone who you care about many times and they're always like, you know, okay, sure, maybe someday. And they never come. It's not wasted. None of it is wasted. The (laughs) parents, all of that work and effort you put into your kids to teach them about Jesus, to show them the love of Jesus, to show them the discipline of Jesus. (laughs) And they still get up and they defy you over and over again. Guess what? It's not wasted. It's not wasted. And I know as a parent, you can just get feel exhausted sometimes. You feel defeated. It's not wasted. The problem is, over time, our spiritual enthusiasm begins to fade. You know, we, get, we got disappointed by something that happened. Someone in the church offended us. God became familiar. Church became familiar. We got bored. We get bored with God. Imagine that. We get bored with the church. It happens. And it has happened to many people. Even in the Bible, it's happened to people in the Bible. There is uh, one person in particular in the Old Testament where we see this. And it's, it's, his name is David. Most of you are familiar with the story of David. I want to give you just a quick refresher course this morning. Because it's almost like in, in the Old Testament we get two or even three different versions of David. When we meet David, in the early part of his life, as he's a... a Some called him a boy, he's a young teenager, whatever. He is an absolute spiritual beast. Okay, he is on fire for God. He loves God. He's going to do great things for God. And he's like courageous, he's fearless, he's strong, he's passionate, he's humble. We're told he's a man after God's own heart. Think about that. It's like his spirit animal is God. God is his kindred spirit. Can you give anyone a better compliment than that? He's just on fire for God. He's got eight brothers. He's the youngest of eight brothers. His brothers all look down on him. He's not important in their eyes, but he is important in God's eyes. But as far as his family is concerned, all he's good for is watching the sheep out in the field. Nobody else wants to do that job. It's a dirty, mundane, meaningless work. David, you go do it. So most of his days as a teenager are spent alone in the fields with the sheep. And that is where he experiences God's power in his life. By himself in the fields, doing a job nobody else wants to do. Nobody else even sees it. But he does it. He goes after it with all of his heart. One day a bear shows up. Actually, this happened, I mean, multiple times. A bear would show up and attack the flock. And the Spirit of God comes over David, and he attacks the bear. Not with a gun, not with a bow and arrow, not even with a slingshot. We're told he attacked and killed a bear with some kind of club, like a baseball bat. Who does that? Someone who is passionate about God. I mean, you don't approach a bear half-heartedly. You do not attack a bear like a sloth. Okay? And then a lion, lions would come and attack the flock. Same result. David goes after it, strikes down the lions. And then in what is the most well-known attack of David's life, David is confronted not by an animal but by a man. But it's not just any man, it's a giant. It's a giant who's been trained for war from his youth. This is a man of war. And David looks very small in his eyes. 
And yet David is the only one willing to take on this giant. And he goes to King Saul. After 40 days, no one in the Israelite army is willing to face this giant. David says, I'll go. And Saul says to him, how, how could you go? What, what do you have? You're a boy. You're nothing. How can I possibly send you out to fight this man of war? He's going to destroy you. And you know what David says? He says, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I'm going to do the same to this guy. You see, what happened was this Philistine giant had been insulting God and mocking God and God's armies day after day after day. And David was the only one who took it personally. Why? Because David was passionate about his God. And here's what David said. In 1 Samuel 17, he says to, to Goliath, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. That is, a, that is passion. That is the most savage trash talking I've ever heard. And that came from David's, I mean, this, this, David was intense, okay? This man is intense. And if you weren't all in for God or passionate about God, you would feel that when you were around David. In fact, when David was there around the Israelite army that day, and he began asking questions about who's, what will the man get who goes out to fight this army? David's brothers got annoyed. They're like, you need to take it down a notch. You need to stop talking. Go home and watch those few sheep that the, our father gave you to watch. And David couldn't do it. He couldn't hold back. And I bet that some of us, if some of us were around a man who was that passionate about God, some of us might get irritated. Like, dude, chill out. What's the big deal? Have you never been to church before? Why are you so excited about God? And that's how his brothers were. They're like, you need to be quiet. There was another episode later in David's life. When the Israelites recaptured the ark and they were bringing it back into Israel and David was so enthusiastic about the ark of God coming back into Israel, into Jerusalem, that he was dancing and singing in public and for everyone to see. And later on his wife said to him, what's wrong with you? You're being obnoxious. I mean, he was too, for some people, he was too passionate about God. Imagine you expressing your passion for God visibly in a worship service and the people around you thinking you're obnoxious. Has that ever happened to you? If it hasn't, maybe your passion is too low. In Psalm 69, David wrote, Passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. David was so passionate about God at this point in his life that when he saw or heard other people dishonoring God, he felt dishonored. Does that happen to you? 
in your life when you're out you know, at work or we're in your neighborhood and someone dishonors God, someone says something that dishonors God, do you feel, do you feel that? Does it feel insulting to you? Do you take it personally? Because you know what? You probably should. That's your God they're talking about. That's your God they're defying and dishonoring. Do you know who else felt this way? There's a time in John chapter 2 when the disciples were watching Jesus and Jesus was going a little crazy in the temple because there's a bunch of people gathered in the temple who were treating God's house as a common thing. And John tells us that the disciples, when they looked at Jesus and how he reacted, they remembered this verse from Psalm 69. Passion for your house will consume me. They saw that same passion in Jesus. And do you know what God's house is according to the rest of the New Testament? It's us. It's us. It's the church gathered. We are God's house. We are God's temple. We are where the Spirit of God lives and moves. And if you are passionate about God, you will be passionate about what God is passionate about. And God is passionate about His church. And sometimes we are not. And that's the problem. You can lose your passion. That's, that's our problem. We've lost our passion. And uh, some years after David had been crowned king of Israel, he began to lose his passion. I, I don't know exactly when or how this happened, but we know that it happened. Somehow David found himself in a place of familiarity with God and familiarity with God's house and God's people. And it just wasn't his, his fire anymore, you know? He just lost that fire. He lost that spiritual enthusiasm that once carried him in to many battles. And all of a sudden, one spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, David stayed home. He stayed home. His armies went out. His friends, his kinsmen were going out to battle to defend the honor of God and the, and the honor of God's people. And David got comfortable. And he stayed home. And one night he's walking around on his balcony and he saw something that he couldn't unsee. And it's in that moment where he, we see his passion changed. His passion was no longer God. His passion was something else. It was, it was pleasure. It was comfort. And that new passion that snuck into his heart drove him to commit adultery. And after he committed adultery, he covered that up by committing murder. And after he committed murder, he covered that up. And for a whole year, he carried around the weight of his sin and his guilt he was isolated from God, separated from God, separated from, the, from God's people. And that guilt and that sin just ate away at him. It ate away at his faith. It ate away at his joy. It, it dried up all of his passion. He had nothing left. He was miserable. He felt just empty inside. Until one day, a good brother and a prophet, Nathan, showed up in David's house 
and he told him a story and he confronted David in his sin. And David could have denied it. He could have run from God. He could have blamed other people. But he finally gave up and he said, yeah, that's me. I, I, I did that. I, I lost my passion. I've sinned against the Lord. And David prayed to God for repentance. And in Psalm chapter 51, this is one of the most famous psalms that David ever wrote. David cried out to God. And this is what he said. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He asked God to give him his passion back. That word steadfast means to be immovable, to be fixed, to be ready for anything. And David had lost that, but he's crying out for it again. He's being honest with God. He's asking God to restore his spiritual enthusiasm. And guess what? God answered. So I want to ask, who wants their passion back today? Who wants their passion back today? Because I do. I want God to awaken that in me. I want God to give me a willing spirit, to give me a steadfast spirit, to give me a zealous heart for him. Because I don't want to be remembered as a man who got comfortable. I want to be remembered as a man who had passion. Even if it was obnoxious to some people, even if it irritated some people or rubbed some people the wrong way, I would rather be remembered for my passion than for being comfortable in life. And that means that I have to be willing to trade my comfort for passion. I got to be willing to make that trade, and you do too. And how did David rediscover his passion? He did it by seeking God daily. And you know what? I wish I could give you a, a more exciting answer than that, because that's just not exciting to most of us, is it? What, you, what, what, what I got to just spend time with God every day, that's it? Like, I didn't need to come to church to learn that. You know what I mean? But guess what? That's where passion comes from. And we see that all over the life of David. Be, be, from the time he was young to, be, to the time he was killing bears and lions to the time he was killing giants and becoming a king. And guess what he did to rediscover his passion? He spent day and night meditating on God's word. He consumed himself with God's thoughts and God's ways. He started singing and writing songs about God and writing poems about God and reciting prayers to God. He was consumed with God's words. Day and night. Not once a week. It wasn't a once a week thing, like I'm going to check the box and I'm just going to spend this hour with God in the temple, making my sacrifice, saying the prayer, and then going home and starting all over again. No, he was spending day and night with his God and his Lord. And spiritual passion is developed by spending time day and night seeking God. There is no substitute for that. And when you do that, God will increase, he will raise your spiritual temperature. He will start that fire again. So I, I want to ask you to repent today. As we wrap up our series, I need to repent. I believe many of you need to repent. And, and by the way, this, this is something that we just need to do. We need to do this over and over and over again. In fact, in the book of Revelation, 
we are given seven unique letters from Jesus to local churches. And one of the local churches was struggling with passion. And this is what they were, in fact, Jesus said, you're neither hot or cold, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And this is what Jesus said to them. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. You know that word turn, is just re- that means repent. Stop being indifferent. Turn to me. Listen to the next verse, what Jesus said. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I will answer you. If you are willing to turn to me, I will give your passion back. I will come back in. I mean, think about this. Jesus doesn't judge this church for their wicked deeds or their lack of faith or their lack of love or their wrong beliefs. He judges them for their apathy. He judges them because they lost their passion. And then he says, get close to me. Be zealous and repent. Open the door. Let me in. Let me back into your life. And this is a stunning picture of God's grace because it tells us that no matter how cold we've become towards God, God does not get cold towards us. Even if we've lost our passion for God, God never loses his passion for us. His passion for us never fades. Jesus is standing at the door. It's your move. It's your move today. And I would like to close in prayer. And before we do, if I could have just everyone bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up this series. And I just want to ask you this morning, If you felt like a spiritual sloth or you felt spiritually lazy, maybe you've been struggling to get to church and you've you've been content to kind of give God your leftovers, I I just want to ask if you've been struggling with spiritual passion this year, if you would just raise your hand for me briefly. If you would just be honest with me about that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Would you like to open the door to Jesus today? If you want your spiritual passion back, would you raise your hand real quick for me? Thank you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, not out loud, just in your hearts. If you would just pray this prayer between you and God. Lord Jesus, I confess I have lost my passion for you and your church. And I'm asking you today to come into my life. Rekindle my passion for you. Jesus, you have said that those whom you love, you correct, you discipline. Lord, I surrender myself to you today, even if it means discipline. I surrender myself to you, Jesus, because you surrendered yourself for me. And God, may we at this church Finish this year on fire for you. No matter what else happens this year, even if it gets worse, God, may our spiritual passion only rise. May we get more excited about who you are, about what you've done, and about what you're doing in our world. God, because our circumstances do not determine who we are. You determine who we are. And you have called us to be your saints You've called us to shine brightly in this dark world, to shine like stars in a crooked and perverse generation. 
So God, may you light us on fire today. May you set us aflame for you by your spirit. And may we not cool down. God, may we thirst for you. May we hunger for you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You know what? I want to tell you something before we leave today. If you're someone who likes sports like I do and you watch sports, you can see passion in players, in, in players. Whether, it's, whether you're watching kids' sports, whether you're watching little kindergartners run around like 20 of them chasing a soccer ball around on a field, or you're watching an NFL game, you can see who has passion. You can see when a player has heart. And guess what? You can see it in the church too. You can see when people have that passion. You can see when they have that fire in them. There's just something that is different about them. They just glow. They just have that energy, that enthusiasm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And I believe that God wants us to be a church that is just full of that. That's what God wants for us. That's what Jesus wants. He's standing at the door. He's knocking. He's calling us to that. He's calling us all to raise that temperature to be diligent, to turn from our indifference. That is a decision you, you will not regret making, my friends. And I'm, ex I'm looking forward to the rest of this year, even though there's a lot of people who aren't. There's a lot of people who are, who are dreading November. There's a lot of people who are, who are sc still scared and anxious about what's coming. But may we be a people who are on fire for Jesus. May, may we be a people who are seeking after God and hearing his voice above all the others so that we as a church can shine. And I'd like to ask you to stand as we, I'll just give you the benediction this morning from Jude verse 24. May, may you hear these words and, and trust in these words today as you leave here. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away. And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. And all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen.